Hi, this is Pastor Mike from Compass in Monterey County. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I hope it encourages you and gives you confidence that Jesus is by your side and that his plans for you are to bless you. I'm in this series about the traps that we fall into in life. And today, as we go through uh, James, this time he's lifting up a trap that almost nobody recognizes. And that's why so many people are falling into it and creating a lot of problems in their life. So let's pick up uh, chapter 3. Hope you have your Bibles. Chapter 3, beginning with verse 2. I like the way he starts. It's gracious. Including himself here, he says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, that is his mouth, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Of course, nobody's perfect, so everybody stumbles with their mouth from time to time. When he, um, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Now, He's already used this idea, you control a horse by putting a bit in its mouth. Now, he's alluding to that in how we can control our tongue. He's going to use two great images here. One is a ship, and one is a forest fire to help us understand how important it is to master our tongue. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. So he compares the tongue to a rudder of a ship, and it's small compared to the bulk of the ship, but where that ship ends up depends on the rudder. And the same with your tongue in terms of marriage, families, who we are as a person. Our tongue has a lot to determine with where we end up in our dreams. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. So the tongue, three inches long, usually, three inches small, uh, But the tongue can be like a a match in a forest and destroy so much that is beautiful. And yet it's so small, like a night of romance, like a marriage, like a job and a career. Tongue. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is set on fire by hell. John Bunyan, in his great allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, Pilgrim meets up with, Christian meets up with one person called Talkative. That was his name, Talkative. He couldn't control his mouth. So he never really got very far as a Christian. And here in this verse, it corrupts the whole person. I want to talk about that a little bit later in my message. Because actually our words 
can corrupt us as a person. What we say actually colors our personality. It shapes our personality. No? A person is a gossip. They tell stories behind other people's back. You don't think that affects them? Oh yeah, it affects their heart. It hardens their heart. You know, a person lets really harsh words come out of angry words. They vent. You don't think that makes them an angrier person? A person controls their mouth and instead of saying what they want to, they say gentle and kind words. You don't think that begins to affect the kind of person they become? Oh, yeah. One of the keys in spiritual growth is words that come out of our mouth will affect us. We either go to the next level or we fall farther and farther down. Your words change your personality. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame his tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. There he just, he says, people even domesticate cats. Yeah, you hear stories. They're not true, but cat lovers tell you these stories. Even domesticate a cat. Dogs, horses, lions, all kinds of things. But the tongue, that, that's really hard. Now he says, no one can. Now what he means by that is it's really difficult. And he compares the tongue to a restless evil. And this word restless is the picture of an animal in a, that's been put in a cage, but it's prowling, constantly looking for an opening. And if it sees the slightest opening, it darts and escapes. That's your tongue. Even when you're working on your tongue, it just looks for the slightest opportunity to escape your control and bang! Words come out. Isn't that true? So this takes a lot of labor, is what he's saying here. You never finally get it done. Constant vigilance. And it has poison. Oh, what a picture. Everyone's tongue carries poison. Have you thought about that? Ever been poisoned by someone's tongue? Or have you? A reputation? A mind? A self-image? Poison? With the tongue we praise our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse men. From the same mouth come praises to God, and in after church cursing people as we're trying to get out of the parking lot. <laughs> oh, I don't want to get there. I don't want to go there. Who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this ought not to be true. Can Now here's a tremendous illustration. Watch this. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives? He's saying, you'll know what the heart of a person is like by what comes out of their mouth. Figs are coming out, it's a fig tree. Salt water, it's a polluted spring or well. The mouth, the words do 
reveal what kind of person we are inside. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What he's raising here is to control your mouth, you got to start inside with the well, the heart. That's where you begin to control it. And that's what I want to talk about later. Because all of us have experienced, I think, our mouth out of control. So how do we begin to tame our tongue is what I want to talk about. But first, let's pray. Lord, oh, we just want to go to the next level. And this morning, we're looking for solutions. Uh, We want our tongue, Lord, not to be destructive ever, ever. We want our tongue to be Christian, to have a Christian tongue. And so this morning, I pray for wherever there's tension in families or marriage or wherever our words have really been like gasoline on the fire, where they have hurt and harmed. Lord, this morning, I pray we would have a change and you would show us how we can change. Bless us, Lord, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Did you know that love is a very poor predictor of the success of a marriage? Whether a marriage becomes very intimate or becomes conflicted, whether a marriage really reaches the dreams of the wedding day of being the best thing that ever happened to two people, or it deteriorates. Love is a very poor predictor. Dr. John Gottman, who is by all accounts the most respected marriage researcher in the world, has done massive research to determine what it is, what are the factors, what's the key factor in a marriage that begins well and ends well, or a marriage that begins well and never reaches its dream. It doesn't become the best thing that happened to two people. And i got to ask you today, if you've been in a marriage that this has happened to you, where it didn't turn out the way you thought, or right now you're in a marriage that you got to say is not the best thing that ever happened to you. Well, Dr. John Gottman has done this massive study following marriages over 20 years to determine why some go bad and others get better over the years. And so what would you guess is the number one factor by a mile in whether a marriage becomes the best thing that ever happened or deteriorates? It's the tongue. The words that each says in the marriage. It's really surprising. Over this 20-year study, Dr. Gottman has found that by far and away, the biggest effect on a marriage is what comes out of the mouth of the two people. Now, I don't know why it took him 20 years to find that out. We could have told him that in 10 seconds. Am I not right? Many of us have had the experience where a night of expected romance was ruined 
by the tongue. No? Yes. Many of us have gone through the experience where two or three days of bliss in a marriage has been lost because of the tongue. Haven't you been wounded by someone's tongue? And they did not have to yell. Don't, don't, don't be thinking that the tongue has to yell in order to do its destructive work. Humor at your expense. That's sarcasm. Humor at your expense has cut your heart. Or a little dig. Just a little dig that was like a dagger into your heart of your respect and dignity. We all know that nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we all know it's a lie. We've all experienced how that is not true. You know, you hit a person with a rock and you bruise them, but maybe in a week, maybe a month at most, that bruise is healed. But you bruise a heart with hurtful words. And it may take years, if ever, it is healed. Surely someone here this morning has been bruised or cut by someone's words. And that wound in your heart and mind is still not healed. No surgeon can heal those the wounds of the words of a person. James describes the tongue as in your scriptures full of deadly poison. The Bible is saying that scorpions carry poison in their tongue in their tail. Human beings carry poison in their tongue. Words are deeds. That's what James is saying in this passage. Words do things to people. They either hurt them or they heal them and encourage them. They build up or they tear down. They bless or curse. Last summer when I was studying uh, one of Shakespeare's plays, Hamlet, this line that he gives Hamlet just jumped out at me. I love this line. I will speak daggers to her heart, yet use none. I will speak daggers to her heart, and yet use none. Words can be daggers to the heart. And that's why the number one predictor of the health of a marriage and its success is not incompatibility, Not their sexual experience. Not even that they love each other. Plenty of people who love each other have to get away from each other. It's the poison from the tongue that can ruin it all. Now it's very likely that more than a few of us this morning also have a child that we love very much who has closed their heart to us. And that child can be 40 years old, grown, or 14 years old, and we're sensing in that 14-year-old that their heart is hardening towards us. A closed heart is defined 
as a heart over which you have lost all influence. No matter how much you yell or punish that child or person, they still remain rebellious. They still remain outside of your influence. Punishment and yelling will not open a closed heart. And the heart is closed. Why? Always because of words that have been spoken to it. It's hardened itself, become calloused as its only means, especially in a child, of protecting itself from the poison of words. Words are deeds. They're deeds. They do things to people. Unskilled parents vastly underestimate the effect of their words upon children, especially words that they say when they're angry. So James says in chapter 3, verse 4, or take ships as an example, although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. James there is using two really graphic pictures to speak to us about the enormous effect of our words. First, he uses the image of a rudder on a ship, like a rudder on an aircraft carrier. It is so tiny compared to the enormous size of the ship. So too is your tongue compared you're five foot five or six foot two or three, your tongue is so small. But James is saying there that where that ship ends up, whether or not it ends up on the rocks or it ends up in the port, where it ends up on the destination where it wanted to go to or ends up somewhere else it didn't want to go to, all depends on the rudder. It's the rudder. And in the same manner, he talks about the forest fire. He says it only takes a tiny spark to set a forest on fire that was once gorgeous and beautiful and turn it into charred black sticks of ugliness. It's a graphic description of the damage of words. Your tongue is like a rudder in your marriage or in a family relationships with your parents or with a brother or sister who's grown as well. Your tongue is like a rudder often in your career. So often in a marriage, we have this dream of where we want to end up. But we end up somewhere short of that. All because of our tongue. It's a rudder. It'll determine where things end up and when dreams happen and don't dreams. Don't happen. Anyone had a friendship that ended badly? Because of words spoken? 
Anyone had a marriage that began so well, but words left these bloody memories that have never been healed. That's why the Bible has so much to say about taming our tongue. It's really a big thing in the scriptures and especially in Jesus' teaching. So the question is, given the effect of our tongue, how do you tame it? Well, first, James says, give the problems in your life the right name. Give the problems in your life the right name. And that's so important because so often we have problems in our life. (laughs) And the problem we think is the problem is not the problem. And that's true in business as well. A business person, the sharp businessman, really recognizes that at first sight, what you think is the problem is not the problem. you got to go deeper. And in all of life, what you think is the problem is not the problem. That's what a counselor does, is try to help people see that what you think is the problem, which is him, which is her. Oh, it's sexuality. Oh, it's... No... It's not the problem. This is a key thing in making progress in solving the problems in our life. Tell yourself what I think is the problem. It's probably not the problem. So James says, give the right name to the problems in your life. So what are your problems? Could any of them be traced back, actually, to the tongue? Lance Morrill has done a monumental study of why good people do bad things. Title's not too nifty, but it's a great book. It's called Evil and Investigation. And this is what he writes. Listen to this. If you think you are a victim then anything you do in retaliation is not evil, but justice. To the victim, all things are permitted. The victim thinks they're an exception. Wrong is now permitted when you've been wronged. It's just getting justice. That is so crucial to understanding why there are problems in lives. You see, when you feel like a victim, that you've been wronged by your mate or by someone at work or by a child who's been disobedient, look out. Don't take the bait. It's a trap. Because once you get the victim mentality, then wrong simply becomes justice. Now you're permitted to do what you would not want others to do to you. But in this case, it's just payback. It's just justice. It's the bait. It's an eye for an eye kind of thinking. You deserve what I'm going to say to you. I know it's hard, but you deserve it. I can say whatever I want to because you wronged me. You made me mad. You disappointed me. You disobeyed me. An eye for an eye. 
The only problem with that is soon everyone in your family is going to be blind. An eye for an eye never changes anything. It just releases the venom in the tongue. Maybe it's with a rebellious child. And maybe you have a right to be angry. But is that the important factor? you got to ask yourself, somebody's got to be the adult here. Is that the important factor? I have a right to be mad? The important question is this. Is what I'm saying going to help things? Or is it pouring gas on a fire? Is it going to help? Any situation come to mind right now where you've been a victim or you feel like a victim, you've been mistreated, and you're right at the edge of taking the bait, you've already rehearsed it. That's what James says in verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is perfect. Of course, no one is perfect and everyone has tongue slips from time to time. James, though, compares our tongue to a wild animal that's been put in a cage. That's what this Greek word means. And he says that animal is prowling, just looking for the slightest gap opening to race out of control. What a picture of the tongue. It's under control one minute, and then somebody does something, and bang! It's out of its cage. That's why the psalmist David talks about, I want to set a guard on my mouth. Constant vigilance over this wild animal in my mouth. Here's my radical suggestion. You probably won't like it, but it's why it's radical. Ask God and ask the person that you've been verbally violent towards, verbally violent. Ask that person for forgiveness for how your tongue has been hurtful to them and probably added to the problem. Poured gas on the fire. Ask them forgiveness. This is just huge in taming the tongue because this is what happens. After you've actually gone to two people you don't want to go to and ask forgiveness for what you said, it doesn't matter if what they did is wrong. It What matters is how you reacted verbally, violently. To, after you've asked two or three people for forgiveness, you're going to get tired of that. <laughs> and in that... The next time that comes up, you get a little bit stronger because you say, I don't want to go ask them for forgiveness. So humbling. It's really important to identify what the real problem here, and it's my mouth. Because you will never fix what you won't admit needs fixing. This is just absolutely critical. Pray to God for forgiveness and then go to that person, especially if it's your wife or husband or child. Forgive me for what I said. It was out of place. Don't get into what they did. Don't get into it, but I was really mad at you. 
But what you did hurt. Don't. Just take care of your junk. Just you. Forgive me for what I said. Period. It will transform and begin to heal relationships. I guarantee you that. But I've got to be honest with you. Most of you aren't going to do that. Most of you won't do that. This is one of the frustrations of all counselors. Is they point to a solution. And people look at that and say, Ah, that's too hard. Too hard to change. Most people don't change, even Christians. Because anything worthwhile takes effort. Most people don't want to put out the effort. But I hope you will be an exception and go to the next level with your mouth. Secondly, if you want to get control of your mouth, taste your words before you speak. Taste your words before you speak them. Scientists say that women speak an average of 33,000 words per day. And a man, this, this is true, and a man 16,000. I thought that was kind of high. And then you come home <laughs> and your wife wants to know everything you did. <laughs> well, yeah, how'd your day go? Really good. It was good, good. Well, what'd you do? Well, I had these meetings, you know. Well, what'd you do in the meetings? And what'd you have for lunch? And you're out of words. You already hit 16,500. You're out of words. You're done. You're trying to go into your cave and she wants to talk. And I better stop talking about this because I'm in enough trouble right now. Anyway, the scientific fact is a man only speaks 16,000 words a day. And women want him to talk more. And that women average about 120 words per minute with gusts up to 320. Just telling you what science says. Men speak 65 words a minute, except on Super Bowl Sunday, then they can gust up to 210 words per minute on a touchdown. <laughs> now, I just made that one up. You don't believe me, do you? I can tell women going like this, but this is the truth. This for sure is true. Speak when you are angry. And you will make the best speech you ever regret. Because your mouth is getting ahead of your brain. You're gusting. Whether you're male or female, you start gusting when you're angry. You'll make the best speech you ever regret. One of the most important steps in getting control of our tongue is stop saying the first thing that comes to our mind. Some of us, our mouth is hooked into a stream of consciousness. And you got to break that habit. Some of us have developed this bad habit of speaking as fast as we can think. 
But you've got to start saying to yourself, before I speak, i got to taste my words before I say them to my wife or to my seven-year-old. Only God gives credit for hurtful or damaging words unspoken. One of the key steps in taming the tongue is the therapy of silence. Taste your words before you speak. I read this last week in my research about a woman who was looking at herself in the mirror and she said to her husband, I see a woman who's getting old with more and more wrinkles, with hair that's falling out and my arms are getting flabby and I put on weight. Honey, would you tell me something positive to encourage me? The husband said, well, there's nothing wrong with your eyes. Ooh, that wasn't too good. I know you didn't like that joke. I'm, a, I'm not going to be in the lobby afterwards. Let me just... But I did read about a man who the police found badly beaten up in front of a beauty salon. The policeman asked, what happened to you? The man said, well, the last thing I remember is my wife was walking out of the beauty salon and I said to her, nice try. (laughs) Didn't like that one either, okay. (laughs) My point is leave three things unsaid every day. Three things unsaid every day. Here's why. We are never persuasive when we are abrasive. You see, words are like toothpaste. Once the toothpaste is out of the tube, it's impossible to get it back in. And i got to tell you, once you've launched those words... You can never get them back. They've already done their damage. Taste your words before you speak and leave three things unsaid every day. Third, if you want to control your tongue, you'll need to build a new heart inside of you. A new heart. James says our words reveal what is in our heart. That's what Jesus says too. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, Jesus says. All over the scripture, it says our words are like a thermometer. They tell us what's inside of us. The condition of us emotionally and spiritually. So in verse 11, James says... He asks, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring or well? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Of course, no. The kind of water that comes out of a spring depends on the source. The kind of water we get from a well It'll tell us whether the well is polluted or fresh and pure. 
Our heart is the source of all of our words. Even when we're angry. Anger just takes the lid off. It tells us the condition of our heart. And that's why there's one person who's in a very provocative situation. And launches with cursing and belittling language because it's in their heart. But another person with the same kind of child, the same kind of wife or husband, the same kind of boss, is gentle. Because that's their heart. We must come to the place that we understand that what's coming out of my heart is telling, my, out of my mouth is telling me the condition of my maturity spiritually and emotionally. It's an indicator. You go to the doc. He tells you to stick out your tongue. The dentist checks your tongue over because it has a lot to tell about the health inside the body that's out of sight. So we've got to change our heart before we can control our tongue. Got to work on our heart. I love this poem. Watch your thoughts for they become words. Watch your words because they become action. Watch your actions because they become habits. Watch your habits because they become your destiny. The tongue is like a rudder on a ship. It determines the destiny of your marriage, your family, your life. So how do we change our heart? Well, there's an old story about a Cherokee Indian who's mentoring his son. And the father said that inside of every person is a bad wolf and a good wolf. The bad wolf was anger and selfishness, a critical attitude, a violent mouth. The good wolf, well, he's patient and forgiving and slow to anger and not verbally violent, but gentle. Both wolves, he told his son, are battling inside of every person. The son thought a minute and he asked, Dad, which wolf wins? And the father answered, the wolf you feed. Which wolf are you feeding? What comes out of your mouth depends on whether you're feeding your heart by gussing, gulping down gossip, feasting on critical and judgmental thoughts. That's feeding the wrong, food, the wrong wolf in you. And that's going to come out. What you think is going to come out eventually. The battle is in your mind and heart. So here's my radical suggestion. Why not put Scripture on your mirror and memorize it in the morning? Scripture like, verse 5, A great forest is set on fire by a tiny spark. Our, chapter 1, verse 19, Be 
slow, uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why not put that on your mirror? And start your day visualizing the kinds of encounters you are going to have with difficult people. And begin to visualize yourself actually living out those verses. I promise you, it will matter in how you perform. What you feed your mind and heart determines which wolf wins. And this is the importance of worship every Sunday. The Sunday you miss is probably going to be the Sunday where the food was served that you most needed for your good wolf. It's in worship that the message is supposed to feed the Holy Spirit within us and put to death the bad wolf. A message like today, sensitizing us to our words. And it's also the incredible importance of getting involved in a couple's Bible study or a men's or women's Bible study because that's the way you feed your wolf. Or you can watch sitcoms on TV like Roseanne. And it feeds the bad wolf with all that rudeness that is prevailing in our culture. All the media that's saturating and feeding us this kind of thing. To after a while, everybody starts talking like that. So this morning, all of us here, where has your conscience spoken to you this morning? What are you going to do about it? Would you pray with me? Lord, as we come into a meditation time, I, I pray that all of us here might examine our words and what they say about us and where we've taken the bait and anger because we felt mistreated. I pray that in marriages here where words are, too many words are hurtful, families, that during this time of meditation, you would help us make promises to you and ourself that we would keep, that would begin to tame our tongue. And we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of Dr. Mike from Compass Church in Salinas. We hope you're encouraged by his practical Bible-based teaching 